Today, Pastor Ray Bentley highlights the message of James to a generation facing great temptation. Since we are God's children and He is continually showering us with gifts from the perfection of His throne, why should evil have even the slightest attraction for us? So take temptation, kick it to the curb, and walk into the light of the glory of God. That's what James is encouraging. Spread the news of His people coming down before the King. Lift your voice. Jesus is coming. Join the song. Sing along. Let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return. The whole gospel to the whole world. Little kids are eminently distractible. If they're tempted to touch the stove, you can often detour their attention with something that's more attractive and fun. Trouble is, adults too can be detoured by something more attractive and fun. And today, Pastor Ray helps us stay focused on what's important. James chapter one, beginning in verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one, when he is tempted, say, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So he's talking about, James realizes that the believers he is addressing 2,000 years ago were under a lot of pressure. There was, there was persecution for being a believer and follower in Jesus Christ. If you really were a committed Christian and a follower of Christ, you didn't fit. You didn't fit the Roman world and you didn't fit within Judaism at large. You were going as it were against the grain and saying, we believe that Yeshua, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the only Lord and our lives are devoted and committed to him and we're a new family, you know, and so there was persecution against them. And then there was temptation. Well, maybe this is getting too hard. Maybe, maybe I'll back up a little bit. Maybe I'll take uh, the, you know, the, the foot off the pedal of going deeper with God because you know, the world is against me and my flesh is pulling against me and the devil. And so James is trying to help them. Hey, stay strong. We're headed for heaven, guys. This world is not even our home. It's not going to ever get fixed totally down here the way it is. We're waiting for the coming of the Lord. We have a divine purpose. And the only way we can fulfill that divine purpose is if we're not getting pulled apart and distracted by all the nonsense that is going on around us. Now look what he says in verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. That word blessed means oh how happy is the man or the woman who endures, and that means has victory over temptation. Now, look up here. Would you agree with me? There is no greater feeling in the world than when you resist temptation and you, you surrender to the Holy Spirit and you walk in the ways of the Lord and you're in obedience 
and your mind is clear, your conscience is clean, uh, your heart is set upon the Lord. And when you walk with the Lord, there is no better, it's the most incredible, amazing, marvelous, wonderful feeling in the world. At the same time, can we not all agree, there is nothing more full of anguish and there is nothing more miserable than when you give in to temptation and when you resist the Holy Spirit and when you go, as it were, with the flesh or go with the flow and then afterwards, surely the devil is there. He tempted you in the first place and then he bangs on your head after you've uh, failed and then what we even do to ourselves in self-condemnation. It is, is there anything more miserable than being in that place. Why did I lose my cool? Why did I, you know, let, you know, everything that I said and that I did and you just feel rotten for quite a while. So here, how beautiful, oh, how blessed, oh, how happy is the man or the woman who resists temptation and walks with the Lord. So do not, look at verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, he says. Why does he say that? Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says, for the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You may think you're doing fine. You may think everything is cool, but your dad knows much better. And so let him search your heart. Let him reveal things to you. Don't be afraid. Fear is a real thing. The cure for fear is growth in the love of God for us. The more you dive into the love of God and the more you intentionally go toward the love of God and receive the love of God and bathe in the love of God, to the degree that you grow in love, fear shrinks and gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Until finally, you know, you can reach that place like the apostles, like death staring him in the face and they laugh. They go, that's all you got? You're gonna send me directly to the throne and the glory I've waited for my whole life? Bring it on. They're ready. So when you have children of God who have the Holy Spirit in them and they're not afraid of death, that's what makes the devil shake in his boots. Those are the guys, the martyrs, and those who, who love not their lives unto death and who have the testimony of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb. He is terrified of those because they will do great exploits for the kingdom of God. There is within all of us a deep desire for fulfillment. Another way the Bible describes it is there is within all of us this deep desire to be fulfilled and to be finally satisfied. We have this gnawing sense of frustration continually. That's because God placed eternity in your hearts. That's what the Bible says. Most people, they don't even know this, but because you uniquely in all of creation are made in the image of God. Eternity, how is it possible that eternity which has no beginning and no end and no, no height and no depth? I can't explain it. All I am telling you is what the Bible says. There is something in you that is in your heart and when you go inside of that heart, it is as big as eternity itself. And the only thing then that can fill eternity is God. You put anything of the world and the flesh and any stupid little imitation of this world in here and you put it into eternity, you know what's gonna, all the gaping emptiness is just gonna be made that much worse. 
And that's why addictions, then you have to go for more addiction and then it becomes even worse and finally you just do yourself in and you die. So leave those childish things aside. James is saying, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Jesus said, if any of you thirst, come unto me. I, Jesus said, I can fulfill that deep longing, the deepest desires of your heart. I can fill the eternity that is within your heart if you will just come to me. Now look with me in verse 17. I love this verse. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. He's saying, you know, not the stupid gifts that are offered by the devil and the wares of the world on the earth. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He's describing God and, and from heaven, look up. And that's where the gifts come that satisfy the heart. This phrase, the Father of lights, is an ancient Jewish title for God. And what it's referring to is God as creator. One of the things that, that we do learn and from the Bible, that when God created, I, I love you know, what I've read and been reading a little bit about Einstein. Albert Einstein, a very famous guy, a really smart guy, and he didn't like that there might be a God or believing in God, and he kept, everything he discovered kept backing him into that there was God. And um, one of the things about creation, when you start off with the, the emptiness and, and whatever started creation, which had to be bigger than the universe and more powerful just to get it going, sounds a lot like God, and the first thing created in that universe is light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and God said, let there be light. In the Hebrew, it's more emphatic. God said, light be and light was. Lights. And as the giver of light, and he's talk, he goes on to talk about the form of the sun and the moon, and the stars and the planets and all the rest. Now there's an interesting scripture, Job 38, verses 31 and 32. Let's read this scripture out loud together. Can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Maseroth in its season or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? Now, Orion is mentioned three times in the Bible, twice in the book of Job, once in the book of Amos. Orion is a constellation. And then the cubs and the, and, and the bear and the Pleiades and, and all the rest. And then there's this funny little word, Maseroth, in there. Well, this is something that I've recently come to discover. If you look up the Hebrew word Maseroth in the Strong's Concordance, the Hebrew word is number 4216, and here is the definition given. Maseroth means the 12 signs of the zodiac. Weird, wait a second, I thought that it was astrology and that that was bad. Well, apparently, no. Zodiac is the Greek word, but Hebrew is an older language. And the Maseroth were 12 signs in the heavens. And those 12 signs told the story of the gospel. I learned that Josephus, uh, Josephus was a Jewish historian that lived 2,000 years ago, uh, relative to the time of Christ. 
He wrote these books and, and the Antiquities of the Jews. There's four volumes. You can get them. He even refers to a historical reference to Jesus outside of the Bible to verify that he is a real historical figure several times. But he makes this other interesting notation where he wrote down and recorded the traditions prior to 2,000 years ago. What the oral tradition of the rabbis was passed down. And one of the unique things that you can find written in Josephus is this where he wrote down what had been passed down orally by the rabbis. They said that when Adam and Eve sinned, they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And now they're out in the wilderness and now there's thorns and thistles and animals begin eating one another. They didn't do that before. Uh, the ground is cursed and starts being hard and then man has to just survive and work to live and, and then he dies and returns to dust. All of those things happen. You can imagine how depressed that must have been. But that then they say that God told his sons through Adam and then Seth and Enosh and, and on down the line, he said, look up to the stars, which is interesting. That's exactly what he did to Abraham. Look, Abraham, at the stars. But that when he did it with Adam's sons, he said, I'm going to tell you the story of how this is not over. I'm not done with you. I'm not going to wipe you out. I'm going to redeem your sons, your daughters, and the descendants of Adam and Eve. And I'm going to tell you the story. Here's picture number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and the last picture, twelve, the story of the gospel. If you look in the heavens at the sky, the, the constellations or the twelve pictures are in a big, gigantic circle. This big, gigantic circle. And what's amazing is that how many of you have heard the riddle of the Sphinx? Maybe you've heard of it and there's books written about it, novels written about it, movies have been where it's been thrown in. What is, what is that all about? And it's in Egypt where the Egyptians borrowed much when the Hebrews came and were among them. But it's, uh, the Sphinx is the body or the torso of a woman that has that, you know, in stone with that Egyptian funny haircut but her body is of a lion. And so even you know, today people go, man, what, what is that all about? Well, we don't really know. And, and there's all these guesses and ideas. Well, I read a book called The Witness of the Stars by Bullinger. In this book, Bullinger talks about, and he wrote it like 100 years ago. This, is, this knowledge and information has been around for a long time. He says the reason the Egyptians did that is because at a certain point, if you have a story that's in a circle and it's gone on for generations, at some point you go, well, where's the story begin? It's not a straight line where here's the beginning and here's the end. So the riddle of the Sphinx, Bollinger says, was never intended to be a riddle. It was intended to be a revelation. It was intended to be a marker to tell you where in the circle of the 12 signs the story begins and where it ends. Where does it begin? With the woman, Virgo. It begins with the virgin birth of the Messiah, the Son of God, according to the prophecy of Isaiah. It ends with Leo the lion, for he will come back as King of kings and Lord of lords and bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. That's where the story begins and that's where it ends. Is that amazing? Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. In the past few months at Maranatha Radio, so many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teaching has meant to them. Bless you, Pastor Ray. You ignited my soul in ways I could not have imagined. 
and blessed me with a deepened love for the Bible. You made scripture come to life. Bless your family. Dear Lord, bring his family, especially his wife, Vicki, peace. Praise God, Ray is home. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Here's what's also amazing. Bullinger goes on to say, but God didn't leave that witness in the stars. You know, in Psalm 19, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. I used to think that just meant they're pretty. I mean, they are pretty. Wow, look, it's beautiful. God's an artist. And, but no, it literally means the heavens have from time, from the days of Adam to Abraham to Jesus to today. And you look up, there's 12 pictures that tell the story of the gospel. No wonder Satan came along and perverted their meaning to say, no, 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 we don't, we don't want people looking at the stars and learning about God. Let's give it other meanings. It's all about them. It's not about God. And God, you know, the stars tell you, should I take the job? Shouldn't I take the job? And they try to guide their little lives by stars. No, the stars don't point to you, hombre. They point to Jesus Christ. They point to him. But then... God took those 12 signs and he brought it down to the earth. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. And as you read, God put the 12 tribes of Israel around the Ark of the Covenant. Each one had a flag or a sign. Every tribe, three to the north, three to the south, three to the east, three to the west. And above them was a standard or an ensign or a sign that represented their tribe. And guess what? Every one of the tribe's flags or signs was a picture, a parallel of what was in the sky now brought down to the earth. And that's why Israel is so important is because the 12 tribes of Israel became God's living sermon of the story of redemption. And even though they got scattered to the ends of the earth, God said in the last days, I will regather them. So here they're coming back again and God's glory is getting ready uh, to come again and to be revealed. Now, one of the pictures up there, how many of you know what Orion is? You've seen Orion or you can picture, you know where Orion is? Okay, here, I'm gonna give you a challenge. I want every, everybody in here to learn what Orion looks like and be able to recognize it in the sky. Have you ever seen those three stars that are like in a row? That's Orion's belt. Those three stars, and you can look at them, and then there's one that's a little bit higher, like a shoulder that's raised, and then another shoulder, and then the foot, and then the foot down here. Well, and I mention Orion because it's in the Bible three times, twice in Job, once in Amos. Orion, Orion, Orion. And what it means, Orion means the prince who comes forth in light. It's a picture of a prince whose arm is raised with a sword in hand who's running toward the earth. And it's a picture in the stars of the coming of Jesus Christ to rule and reign on the earth. Every time you look up, you go, man, there's Jesus. It looks like he's coming for us right now. And it's a beautiful, amazing thing. Genesis 1:14. then God said, let there be lights in the firmament and the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, which means signals and seasons, which means divine appointments and for days and for years. 
And yet God doesn't change. James is saying the father of lights has been showering you from the heavens and through his word pointing to his son Jesus Christ. He has gifts for you and God doesn't change. Unlike those sources of light, the magnificent as they are, the sun and the moon and the stars, they're like, you know, variations and, and sometimes it even fades, but God's glory doesn't. God put in the physical universe pictures of the spiritual universe, but when you see God and his light, there's no variation. It's just burning brilliantly the Shekinah glory of the Lord. Malachi 3.6, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. The Bible tells us God is light. 1 John 1.5, this is then the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And that light is the revelation found in Jesus. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, implication. The implication is that since we are God's children and he is continually showering us with gifts from the perfection of his throne that are capable of penetrating and satisfying the deepest longings and the deepest desires of our hearts, why should evil have even the slightest attraction for us? God says, I'll give you something a million times better, a billion times better, and it won't fade and it won't kill you in the end. It will give you life and it will give you light. So take temptation, kick it to the curb and walk into the light of the glory of God. That's what James is encouraging. And the last verse, verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God's own word brought us life. The words of Jesus, we live by the word of the Lord that is reflected in Jesus Christ. And as we read it and study it and apply it and digest it. John 1:13, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And here's the exciting thing. You know, uh, you know, I could ask all of you, when did you become a Christian? I know when I became a Christian, when I was 11 years old at a Billy Graham you know, film, and you could say, I, I decided to become a Christian this time and that time or whatever. But Jesus came to his disciples, all of whom had decided variously, okay, we'll follow you, we'll follow you. And Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, they had chosen him. What he meant was, I chose you first. Because he knew all things. And here's what's a, is so exciting to me. Do you know when God chose Ray Bentley to go and be one of his sons and to spoil me for all of eternity? Before the foundations of the earth were laid, before creation even began, he knew me and he had made eternal plans as his son. And the same is true of you. Our God is an awesome God. And it, it, is it not worthy for us with all that's going on in the world to say, let's grow up to the best of our ability, seek the Lord, let go of all the silly, nonsensical things of the world, receive his gifts and a greater outpouring of his spirit. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with important counsel today on keeping our priorities in order. Glad you've joined us for our studies in the book of James here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, God Alone Satisfies the Heart. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. And also click the word media and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books there as well. His final book as The Days of Noah, a prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicle series. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.